there might be something to this whole internet thing that I've heard so much about. <laughs> Don't tell the IRS. They'll they'll start maybe maybe thinking about making a Dreamweaver website for. <laughs> That's probably what. I don't know if their Commodore 64s could accommodate Dreamweaver. We'll see. This is the Generally Accepted Accounting Podcast. That's GAP for all you accounting nerds. It's a podcast produced by Casey Peterson LTD, or a firm of CPAs and financial advisors based in Rapid City, South Dakota. We'll be talking about tax, finance, accounting, audit, and a bunch of other topics that sound really boring, but that we're going to make hip and cool. Or we'll try anyway. So stick around to learn more. Hi, I'm Hillary Dobbs Davis, Client Experience Manager for Casey Peterson LTD. I'm Visual Production Associate Evan Lutis. Who doesn't love a good retrospective? People love Spotify's wrapped so much that we figured, you know what, they'd love more. A look back on our top accounting blogs in 2023. No need to thank us. Anyway, we'll take a look at how come your tax refund might have been smaller, what businesses need to know about e-filing, deductible medical expenses, and the ever-popular ERC scams. Listen in to learn more about all these hot topics in 2023. All right, Evan. Oh my gosh. A look back on all of our blogs. We did like 50 blogs in 2023. That's that's a lot of blogs that I did not write, thankfully. Um, <laughs> no, sadly I did. Um, so that's like a blog a week. That's a lot of blogs. I tried Chat GPT, but then I spent more time editing it because it was bad, and then it would have taken me to just write it. So I yeah. gave up. And it, like it, it gives you a structure. It tries to give you some bare bones to work off of, and then you realize oh, I just replaced everything. Yes. Like, well, that's that's not actually true. I mean, that's close, but it, that's not close enough to be accurate. So I'll just rewrite that. Well, that's not really how I would say that. So it's it's coming along, uh, the, the chat GPT, but it's not there yet. So we still need sad sacks like myself to go in there and so translate. Your job has not been automated away just yet. You, you'll, you'll still be around for 2024? At least part of it. Maybe the first part. No. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So starting from the bottom. Uh, we start at the bottom and here we are. So we're starting with number five, which is uh, tax refund looking smaller this year? Question mark. And they were like, uh, what was that? Kind of a big change in the last year or two years. Tax refunds were, were looking hella nice for a while there. And then suddenly I feel like everybody filed last year and then we're like, wait, what's what's going on? This is not as nice as it was before. <laughs> Exactly. And a lot of it was uh, pandemic related. I mean, we got way more money during the pandemic. We got all kinds of economic stimulus stuff. Um, child care tax credits were refundable and they weren't. And so there was a list of like, we would make, we made a handy PDF that listed all the ones. So yeah, there were the economic stimulus payments. There was a t child tax credit. So that was prior in 2020. Between 2020 and 21, you got three grand a kid, 3600 for kids under six, all the way up to age 18. That was an advance payment in July and December of 2021, and then none of that in 2022. You got 2000 bucks per qualifying child up to the age of 16, which seems weird because... Why, why didn't I have my why? twins first? I feel like I really missed out on like some good cash there. Um, yeah. Should have had kids earlier. What the heck? Poor planning on your part, Evan. Poor planning on your part. <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was a definite bummer. Earning income credit, 
childless wage earners could earn more income and get larger credit in 2021 compared to 2022. Not surprising. Uh, your charitable contributions for people who didn't itemize, uh, you used to get like 300 bucks back. And then they said, nope, not going to do that. Employer provided childcare. You used to get $10,500. Uh, now you get five. And then the healthcare premium tax credit. It used to be it covered people that received unemployment. And then, nope, not so much. So, so some a lot of kind of unfavorable changes there. So lots of them, yeah. Looks like um, I think from what the accountants told me, the CPA is twenty twenty three looks a lot like twenty twenty two. So yeah, so your refunds will probably be smaller, uh, not like huge sweeping stuff that's come through to make anything better. So thanks, Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I suspect it'll be kind of like last year where. Last year felt like more of a punch in the gut where it's like, oh, big changes across the board. Next year, probably, you know, kind of just like last year, but at least we had one kind of crappy year to phase into it. That's right. Less surprising. It, it lowered the bar for us. Now the bar is yep. on the floor. So our expectations are down there too. Yeah. Yep. We also did a blog about uh, deductible medical expenses because that comes up a lot. There's lots of criteria about that. Yeah, there's a 28-page booklet about medical and dental expenses. So for insomniacs, some some required reading probably. Just some so, light reading. Just light reading, yeah. Something something over the holidays maybe to pick up when you're trying to avoid your family. So usually, you let's see, to actually deduct qualifying medical expenses, they have to be more than 7.5% of your adjusted gross income, which um, that's, that's not nothing. Yeah. Um, you also have to be an itemizer. So we're just talking about standard deductions. Nope, you got to itemize. And then if any of your expenses are paid or reimbursed through like an HSA or a FSA or any of that sort of stuff, you can't deduct them. So Right. Because that was already tax deferred. So. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. But like, I mean, all that stuff is also like HSAs and FSAs are stuff you fund yourself. So even if you're getting paid back, you already paid in, so. Meh. I feel like health insurance at this point is just somebody telling us, "Hey, you should put money aside in case medical stuff happens," and then us using our own money when the medical stuff happens. Yeah, I think you've I think you've cracked the code there. <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, beat podcast so far. So happy! Oh my gosh! Wait till we get start start talking about ERCs. Wee. Hey, well at least there's there's some some good news on the deductible medical expenses, right? There's there's yeah. some positives, surely. Some positives, yeah. Like uh, most exams, eye exams and dental exams, because as we know, you know your your eyeballs and your teeth bones are add-ons. Yep, those don't uh, count for the rest of your your body. Separate, yeah. they're accessories. But they're payable or they're reimbursable, like stuff like weight loss treatments, therapy, addiction treatments, that sort of stuff, also covered. Um, and the cost for over-the-counter meds and menstrual care products are usually payable or reimbursable as well. So, hey, wow, 20, but of course, twenty lots caveats. So, I'd go to the blog if I were you. Yeah. and all the links and the IRS's FAQs as well. So, yeah, so that's a good. We, we didn't we didn't have a podcast on that one, but we do end up covering uh, quite a few more in-depth subjects that may not lend themselves towards uh, the podcast format on our blog. So you can have fancy hyperlinks and stuff to click and all kinds of stuff to learn about. So Right. You get resources and things like that. We try to keep the podcast a little more evergreen. This was a, kind of a outside to, of that, but um, most topics on our blog tend to be a little bit more 
in the moment, not necessarily ripped from any headlines, but like lightly taken from headlines maybe a couple weeks ago. So <laughs> I think this one is a little bit more of an upper, um, which is that the IRS changed their requirements for organizations, almost all of them, that they have to e-file their returns. And I know that sounds like one more thing, but like their system is actually fairly legitimate. So um, mm-hmm. if you've got a business or some kind of organization and it files 10 or more returns, then for next year, this tax year ending December 31st, everything will have to be electronically filed. So like there's a, there's a bulleted list of partnership returns and corporate income returns and withholding returns, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So for... For like the clients that we mostly work with, that means anybody who files a 1099. Mostly, we probably file those for you all already electronically, but if some reason you are a business owner that's doing your own stuff, um, you're going to need to file it electronically. Yeah. The IRS did create a system, (laughs) IRIS, and every time I look at it, I think for some reason it's ISIS, and I was like, no, it's not that. It's IRIS. I think like it'd be a a vision insurance, possibly. (laughs) Yes. Because, again, your eyeballs are separate. Before this, it was if you filed 250 returns, which feels like a lot of returns, then you had to e-file. So now it's 10 or more. Um, yeah, that's, that's going to bring a lot more businesses into the fold. Yes. Plus, that if you are a corporation with assets of less than $10 million, then you have to e-file. If you're a partnership and you've got more than 100 partners, you have to e-file. And then partnerships that filed 10 or more returns have to e-file their partnership returns. So... I think okay. I'm I'm sensing a theme. Yes. E-filing, e-filing might be the way of the future. Maybe they're starting to get stuff built out for higher capacities. Could be. There might be something to this whole internet thing that I've heard so much about. <laughs> Don't tell the IRS. They'll they'll start maybe maybe thinking about making a Dreamweaver website for it. <laughs> Ooh, that's probably what. I don't know if their Commodore 64s could accommodate Dreamweaver. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll. We'll see what they think about uh, AI and Bitcoin in like 20 years. Maybe AI could replace IRS agents. I feel like that would actually be a useful application of AI. How many did they hire this year? 60,000? Something like that. Yeah, it was was a lot. It was a lot. Or on the other flip side of that, the AI could possibly simplify the tax code, thus eliminating the need for so many agents. What could go wrong? What could go around? I mean, it probably, again, bar is on the ground. On the ground. It can't probably couldn't be worse. No, can't go much lower. So our next topic, ooh, this one has been in the news a whole bunch. Um, The ERC scams. Yeah. Mm-mm. Can you give me, pretend I'm five, and I don't know <laughs> what ERC is. Every single time somebody says the ERC acronym, what is ERC, and why are there so many scams around it? So many. So ERC is employee retention credits. The government started them during the pandemic. It was meant to like incentivize employers to keep employees on the payroll. So if they had like a partial shutdown Mm -hmm. um, or there was like a huge loss in their gross revenues, then they were then they could apply for the ERC. Uh, There were quite a bit of rules, but at the same time, not enough rules to keep people from not abusing the system. So I can't remember the last count of the billions of dollars in fraud that happened because of the ERC, but it'd be a lot. Which I mean, Uh, people are always going to try to take advantage of of some kind of policy, but maybe maybe the door was just cracked a little bit too much on this one. 
Very, very much so. Like it was rolled out really quickly. And then Congress realized like, oh, there's problems with it. So throughout the pandemic, they made multiple tweaks to it, um, trying to stem some of that to varying degrees of success. And the scammers like to be like to pretend like, oh, this is just so simple, not a big deal. Um, but it's actually pretty complex. So mm. um, we've actually had clients that have come to us and said like, hey, <laughs> someone approached me and said I was eligible for the ERC. And we told them, yeah, that's that's not true. And they're like, I don't believe you. I'm going to apply anyway. And they got the money. And then they oh, had to wow. pay the money back. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. And uh, if, you, if you've been found that you fraudulently got money, there's also like penalties and fees and stuff like that. So, so if somebody other than your uh, financial advisor, CPA, approached you about, hey, your business probably qualifies for this thing, maybe check with your professional person first. And if your CPA tells you, no, you're not, maybe believe them instead of this yeah, random they, email online or whatever. Yeah. I've seen it. They force those people to study things every year. They would probably know if you actually qualified for something. Like it's almost their job or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I do remember seeing ads on TV for uh, some of these scam shops where they were like, even if your accountant said you're not eligible, yeah. you should check. Mm, yeah. So I think I saw I think I saw one of those too. I was like, I cannot believe that this has been cleared to be advertised. Yeah. That should be on the TV stations to um look into that sort of stuff. So so some of the signs we did a one uh, six signs of a scam. So it's somebody that you don't know reaches out to you with like ads or calls, emails, that sort of stuff, and says, Hey, you're eligible, blah, blah, blah. Probably probably a scam. Um, if they use phrases like determine your eligibility within minutes, <laughs> nothing in the government takes minutes. Nothing. No. No. You have to pay them big fees up front in order to get your return. That's, that's, not, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. Uh, or there's fees based on the percentage of the ERC they say that you can claim. Also a red flag. And then, yeah, like we talked about promises that your business qualifies for the credit without discussing your tax situation. Mm. Seems um, seems sketchy. Um, or uh, nothing, you have nothing to lose. Uh, minus repaying the credit and any penalties if you're not eligible. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. A good one to talk to your financial professional, CPAs and that sort of stuff about because a lot at stake there. Yeah. So we had multiple updates throughout the year on that. I'm sure we had at least a couple different blogs that, that covered the unfolding situation that uh, I think you described in one of them as it, it could be a Netflix documentary. Um, yes. <laughs> right next to uh, the, what was the fire Firefly or whatever? It's going to be the ERC. I can't wait to watch that one on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, well, it'd be a good one. <laughs> um, so yeah, our most recent blog about it was at the beginning of December uh, because back in October, I think, the IRS, they kind of started a process where if people got scammed, there were ways that they could withdraw their claim. Mm -hmm. So in fact, in September, the IRS stopped processing ERC claims because mm -hmm. they claimed that there were a tsunami of false ones. So Yeah, that makes sense. Stuff like that seems to gain popularity with the scammers. And then eventually it's just, it's way too many that's going to overwhelm any system that's in place. So it's at least exactly. good that they recognize that there was a problem happening and did their best to address it. Like you said, allowing people to withdraw those claims. Totally. 
the the IRS started calling them ERC mills, and much like a puppy mill, not a good thing. Not a good thing. So yes, uh, they are trying to. The IRS is actually trying to help people who got scammed, so they don't get stuck paying their penalties and the interest. They sent out about twenty thousand disallowance letters that basically were targeting these ERC mills. So like, I'm guessing that's like a cease and desist. Yeah. Yeah. Stop it. Just stop it. Hopefully strongly worded and with some kind of actual mechanism for penalty behind it. So the IRS has got some criteria about which employers can withdraw. So those um, who claim the ERC on an adjusted employment returns, anybody who filed the adjusted returns only to claim the ERC but made no other adjustments, uh, anybody who actually wants to withdraw the entire amount of their ERC, and those whose claim hasn't been paid or employers who haven't cashed or deposited their refund checks. So that's kind of the criteria for withdrawal. Kind of suck a little bit if you legitimately qualified for an ERC claim and now like, and maybe it hasn't been processed yet and you're just seeing all this news about scams and you're like getting a little nervous. Yep. Am I going to have to pay penalties or go to IRS jail or whatever? And the withdrawal process itself kind of depends on whether an employee was notified that they are under audit um, or if a payroll service provider was the one that submitted the claim under their behalf, which sounds super sketchy, but I guess yeah. that would happen. The IRS has a special fax line. Ooh, Ooh wow. Cutting edge, right up there with their- Can't wait to text them in 2050. Do you think they have one of those those printers that, that has the, or the bit dot ones and then you t- tore off the-, the Yeah, like things. like a dot matrix printer. Yeah, maybe- Send them back, and then it prints out on a dot matrix printer. Whew. Yes. Um, and then the IRS has on its website, obviously, the instructions on like what an adjusted return should look like, examples, all that kind of stuff, too. So, And then once you submit your withdrawal request, the IRS sends you a letter letting you know if it's approved or denied. You got a little letter from the IRS, nice snail mail. Yep. Um, and if it is accepted, it's possible that you might need to submit an amended return, So, which makes sense. I feel like we could put together like an over-under betting line on how many more ERC updates will come in, in the next year. We should probably just start like a running log of, here's the latest in the ERC drama. It's this year. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> number one, number two, number three, number four. <laughs> this is the last part cracks me up though. It says the IRS is developing a settlement program that will allow taxpayers to re- repay ERC money if they've already cashed or deposited a payment they shouldn't have. And all I'm picturing are like the uh, mesothelioma and... <laughs> Those kinds of, were you falsely targeted by an ERC claim? Yeah. So class action lawsuit for your medical mesh. Um, Yeah. There's going to be one of those for sure. Baby powder. It's, it's all, it's all, it's the next, it's the next big thing that I will see when I watch uh, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy at night, like the elderly person I am. So maybe, maybe that can be the next season of Better Call Saul. Maybe they'll get that in there. (laughs) Just a real barn burner, that one. So those were our top five for the year. Um, and next year, we've done a little bit of planning, just tangentially. We have, uh, we're thinking about having Mark Lyons, our managing shareholder, back on the podcast and a special guest, his wife, um, who leads one of the rural healthcare uh, providers in our area and is, is a client as well. Um, so that will be fun. We've not had the husband and wife team on here. That'll be a hoot. They, they could only be described as the most humble power couple that I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and if they don't riff on each other uh, during the podcast, I'm just going to start sowing seeds of dissent so that they do. Yeah. Yep. We'll get the drama going. Oh, absolutely. And then we we're thinking about talking to our uh, the fellow that started the firm, Casey Peterson himself. Um, he is he's still 
on and he still works kind of part-time but we would like to talk to him just about like hey like 45 years ago he started this accounting firm what do you think is this what you imagined would happen so how'd it go <laughs> how it started how it's going how it's going yep yes so there's really, the title that's the title. we'll talk to him about like what he expected to happen what surprised him the most um what he's happiest about that kind of stuff so that would yep. be a good one so yeah for sure i'm i'm also envisioning probably we'll have a follow-up on the state of ai i think that could probably be just an annual update uh oh yeah because uh, even so much has changed since our last podcast on it which was a two-parter um that yeah there's always something to update there and seems to be getting more and more ingrained in people's workflows and daily lives. So there are implications. For sure. And maybe at that point, AI will have replaced this podcast and we'll have two new hosts. Who knows? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll train in our voices, uh, our mannerisms, and we'll we'll make one of those digital avatars. And there could be a video video version of the podcast. Ooh, that could be fun. Yeah. We could have like a start our own YouTube channel make that one um there'll be probably some more healthcare updates that's what mark and Mickey will be talking about is rural healthcare and some of the challenges that they face we'll do some probably other healthcare related uh stuff for some of our healthcare clients and those already seem to be pretty popular so we'll probably hit those again so that's kind of what we're looking forward to in 2024 yeah look back at 2023 and some exciting stuff coming up in the next year yeah well thanks for putting together all those excellent blogs this year like you said did almost one a week which seems kind of crazy given that it was not like a quiet year by any means <laughs> so, we uh i'm starting to feel like ai just cranking out content just left and right yeah <laughs> no, they're they're really useful i feel like people get a lot of a lot of good information from them and hopefully it's it's uh i know we don't reach a huge audience but i hope that the people that we do reach it does help in some just clarifying sense give them a little bit of an idea of what's going on and what they need to know so that's always our goal yeah. with all yeah obviously you're going to consume a podcast completely differently uh than you consume a blog but hey if you're bored check out our website yeah slash blog go there see what we've been talking about recently Usually some shareholder or somebody brings something to us that's either very important or very interesting. And Hillary writes about it. So, And then if you have questions on anything that you see, um, our contact is on there, kcpeterson.com slash contact dash us. And now the legal stuff. This podcast and associated communications are intended to provide general information about tax, finance, investments, and other financial matters. Although Casey Peterson LTD has made every reasonable effort to ensure that the information provided is accurate, we make no warranties expressed or implied. Be aware that this is not a comprehensive analysis of the subject matter covered. It is not intended to provide specific recommendations to you or your business. Investment advisory services are offered through Advantix Client Partners. Commission-based securities products are offered through Advantix Investment Services. Member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Visitor services are offered through licensed agents of Avantix Planning Partners, 3200 Olympus Boulevard, Suite 100, Dallas, Texas, 75019. The Avantix entities are independent of and unrelated to CPS Financial Services, LLP. Although Avantix does not provide or supervise tax or accounting services, our financial professionals may offer these services through the independent outside business. Not all financial professionals are licensed to offer all products or services. Financial planning and investment advisory services require separate licenses. Hey, Hillary. Hey, Evan. What does an accountant with a green thumb love to grow? I don't know. What does an accountant with a green thumb love to grow? 
a hedge fund. <laughs>